Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. And here we go, Brian. This is who is with me today. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself really, really soon. But uh, as usual, disclaimer is you're watching the video. There is an audio version. You know, you want to carry it with you in the car when you walk the dog, you can do that. And uh, if you're listening to the audio and you want to see us, no, not much, but we're not doing crazy stuff. But, you know, maybe you enjoy more watching two people having a conversation. It's Redefining Society podcast where we talk about society, technology, technology and society and how they work, obviously, in synergy together in the best case scenario. In the worst case scenario, we're screwed. So um, I hope that's not the case. But today, <laughs> nothing new. It's in every newspaper. Everybody's talking about chat GPT. This is what we're going to talk about it today. And Brian is actually passionate about the application that we can have in the education system. So we're going to have the people that, no, no, we cannot let it in the school. Kids are going to do it anyway. So maybe there is another alternative to say no. So all this said, this is stay tuned. It's going to be a great conversation. I already know it. Brian, uh, if you can introduce yourself, I'm not even going to try your last name, please. Uh, you, 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 you pronounce it better than me, I'm sure. Being Italian, it's not going to fly. <laughs> Thank you, Marco. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Brian Satyanathan. Um, I'm excited to be on the show, right? I am the chief technology officer, chief digital officer, and the co-founder of a company in Silicon Valley called Iterate.ai. It's an AI uh, drag and drop, uh, what do you call, low-code platform company that provides components for large companies. Like basically think about it like a Lego canvas where you can mm. drag and drop software pieces and build very large enterprise AI-driven applications. Uh, so we work, we work with a lots and lots of large companies such as Alta Beauty, Circle K, uh, Jockey, many, many, many different customers um, using our type of AI software. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited to be here. And thank you, Marco, for having me. Of course. And, uh, you know, it's like I said at the beginning, 
kidding. It's it's everybody's talking about it. Uh, there is many different angles. There is a people that are scared of it. Uh, there is a copyright issue. There is you know now the chat GPT in particular. You know now with version four, it has a a, a visual input as well. So that's kind of exciting. Let's see where we go with that one. But then you have other machine learning application from you know the the DALI for for images, and then you have the music one from Google. So people talk about content, copyright issue, creativity. Can we use it? Can we not use it? And I just had a conversation uh, about the application in, in, the, in the medical uh, field, which is pretty exciting, you know? So in this case, I know you're passionate about the, the education side of things. So let's start with, are you excited about <laughs> chat GPT? And should people be afraid of it? Or, or is it just the usual fear of the unknown or what we don't really understand? Uh, I'm very excited about ChatGPT, <laughs> right? Um, I do have the fear of the unknown, but I'll come to that in a minute, right? But I think what's really interesting is every once in a while, you get a technology that is sort of game-changing, right? Uh, this is what you sort of call the revolutionary technology, right? So you know, in a, in as you if you if you are in the marketing you know media world, you know every day you see press releases of companies putting out release of their software, their hardware, their new 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 you know gizmo, right? But what's really interesting is most of the innovation that comes out uh, in these releases are very incremental. Right, mm -hmm. a small step towards something, right, and mostly marketing driven. Uh, but once every once in a while, you get a technology that comes in that is completely revolutionary. It changes everything, right? So what happens is when whenever humans encounter technologies that are completely revolutionary, the humans human behavior to embrace that technology and adapt that technology has to change, right? So when you have incremental technologies, on the other hand. The technology has to adapt. So humans would actually adapt it because it's, it's a small move, right? When you mm -hmm. have a major move, societies have to change, right? So chat GPT, where I'm scared is that, you know, this is an area where societies have to change in order to embrace it and adapt it. If not, it will just, you know, plow through most of these things, which is kind of the, the sad part of it, right? But, but at the same time, you know, as in the humans, you know, over, the, over our evolution, we've changed a lot. I mean, we've, you know, we've gone from, you know, like steam engines to crazy industrial revolution stuff to computing technologies to quantum to, but as you look at the, the, the rate of innovation, right, we are in this curve uh, of, of um, you know, exponential innovation that keeps on happening, right? ChatGPT kind of, you know, hits it to like a sort of a straight line up, right? So you're suddenly having <laughs> infinite up, right? Uh, it's really interesting because that also means, um, if across every industry, um, leaders and consumers have to think about how it's going to affect them and have to make the changes, right? It's not yeah. just only on education. Um, I'll give you some classic examples. I was sitting with a friend of mine um, this over the weekend, and he's a mathematics PhD in a university in New York. Uh, he was actually asking ChatGPT, like very difficult grad school, you know, mathematical proof questions, right? One of the questions we gave is like, you know, can you actually prove that sine x squared is not uniformly continuous? That means it's an equation that goes on like that, right? Uh, can you prove that? And, and, and it was amazing. It did like a fabulous proof, right? Uh, so the answer that it's giving, uh, because it has 
access to so much literature and it is processing so much a human brain cannot process, it's coming up with like really intuitive answers um, across every field in medical science, insurance, banking. Um, you're looking at like retail, especially a lot in retail, in education, right? So as it's doing its thing, we have to, as humans, have to figure out methods on how are we going to embrace it? What are the restrictions we are going to put on it, right? And how are we going to change our lifestyle to, to meet it? Right? I mean, look about the software development industry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, over the weekend, I generated a, a full web application a front end and a back end, right? Mm. All in ChatGPT because ChatGPT, GPT, even GPT-4 today cannot build full applications, entire suite of apps. But guess what? You, if you are a, an, a, if you have engineering background, you can break the apps, app in your mind into pieces, and you can mm-hmm. say, generate this piece for me, generate this piece for me, this piece for me, this piece for me. You, you know, that, I like that you said that because I, I'm more into you know the writing, the creative, the content creation, and all of that, and and the, and I, I was like playing with the same block idea because I can't feed more than, you know, 15 minutes of a conversation. Let's say if I'm doing the summary of a or introduction for a podcast, yeah. maybe even this one, I'm sure I'm going to use it, but you're limited. But then if you want to build something bigger than that, you need to kind of get creative and, and yeah. build that in increments. So that's really, really cool what you said. And, and it makes me think about these this way to look at it. So it's a big cultural change that is needed and culture don't change as fast as technology. Now, legislation even less, but yeah, you know, yeah. even <laughs> culture. Uh, yeah. You know, you said correctly, we, we're scared at the beginning of things. We were scared of cars and then now look, we, we drive them. We should be scared of cars still, um, but we're not. We just jump in it and, and we go. So I, I know that we will embrace uh, the chat GPT and all the, the good that come from it. But if, you, if somebody comes to you and let's stay in the educational system, you know, like, you know, I'm fascinated by that because I think you open the mind of the, of the student. If you teach them how to use it correctly, the potential are incredible. And if you just say no, well, guess what? They're going to use it anyway. And maybe they'll use it in the wrong way. You know, a little bit of guidance will be good. So, what is your first answer to people that are that are telling you like no 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 this is no good for the school system this is no good for education it is no good for society in general so the denier I mean apart from rolling your eyes which I normally do but then what do you <laughs> what do you say See I think every problem has specifics right mm-hmm. it's very hard to generalize anything you know in a in a in a one line statement that's only done in political campaigns, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels good, and then ten minutes later you go think about it and say, "Well, that's not true." Right? So <laughs> exactly. I think um, that the, the thing about um, about this this whole broad statements about it's not good. Um, I think people need to step back and think about it a little bit, right? Like let's take the school systems for instance, right? ChatGPT is great education tool. Right? It allows kids to think about new ideas, ways to create narratives, right? And it also cre- teaches kids to, to interact with AI in the future, right? Because one of the things that's coming, is one of the fields that's about to generate out of this is this field called prompt engineering. I was talking mm-hmm. to one of my engineers today and he saw some, some job posting somewhere. Some, someone had said a prompt engineer for $150,000 a year. 
It's already it's already a job. It's for real. I'll figure it out. I mean, I haven't had a chance to look at it, but he was telling me that he he found a posting somewhere. All right. Okay. So it's amazing. So so what it happens is that you are learning new ways to interact with it. When we're not going to stop with GPT three, you're going to have like you know in five years you're going to have GPT twenty eight. Who knows what it can do? It could do everything: music, video, images. Right, anything that's digital can be transferred to it, right? And then maybe there might be GPT twenty nine, where it could even interact with you know outside machinery and things like that, right? Right. It yeah. can it can span across. It can create a whole series of industrial um, revolution, not just only from digital and content, anything that's digital, but also it going could go into things that are non digital, right? Um, so I think the way I would uh, look at it is like take the school system and look at areas where it is a it is a problem. And where it is an actual solution or an enhancer, right? For teaching and learning, it's an enhancer. It's a problem for homeworks, homework, because the, even if you block ChatGPT in the school district, the kids gonna do the homework at home. And how many parents? Most parents probably don't even know how to block this thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's a problem for take-home homework, right? It's a problem for term papers and term sheets where you are allowing the people, right? So I think the same issue existed in the days of calculator. When calculator came about, you know, you I mean, even even in certain grades, you can't still use calculator. You, know, you got to still learn the multiplier table, but you have to learn the table because if you don't know the table, then eventually you know, your basics have to be there. But at the same time, in certain advanced grades, you can actually use calculator. Right or in university or like if you're calculating some logarithmic number or whatever, you know, you're not gonna look up a table, a paper table. I remember when I was studying, we had the paper table, right? You don't do that anymore, right? So what's really interesting is you have to look at it in a much more granular way, and education systems will change. So take homes will will be a different style. Homework will be a different style. Similarly, you know, like uh, papers, term papers will be a different style. But in school. Like a lot of the existing school uh, educational system, for example, if you look at you know like the the kids who are today using you know various Google platforms, right, and then like language learning tools like Duolingo and all these tools, they can begin to generate take advantage of it by integrating into this type of capability, right? Not only if you look at a lot of the scenario tools like simple things like teaching mathematics to kids, like you know multiplying two numbers, you know. Uh, and they they do all these animations, but those animations are fixed, right? And then you have to write code to actually respond to how the kid is learning. With ChatGPT type system, that could be real time. It could interact with the kid much more and and customize the learning for that child, right? Uh, so a lot of those things like people can build really powerful applications on top of what's already there, right? So you have to look at it at a granular level. Like if I am talking about education, first I need to ask the question: What grade is it? Right? What are the eight or nine steps that is that are involved? Where is it a problem, and where is it? It is. It's an enhancer, right? Absolutely. So where it's an enhancer, as an education educator, the person should think about how to enhance it. And then the other, I would also encourage is the school systems and administrators should actually spend more time in uh, learning these things and kind of get ahead of it and not behind, not be laggards. Like I mean that's so true, and I have been having this kind of conversation for the past, I think, five eight years since when we started ITSP Magazine, and one thing that has become kind of like my signature question is, who is educating the educators? 
because the gap that we had in the technology, we can talk about cybersecurity, how to use the internet, how to 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 figure out if it's uh, fake news or if it's you know news manipulation or whatever it is. It, it all comes down to can you spot the issue? Can you do that as a kid? But if nobody's teaching you, if your parents don't know anything about it, if the teacher don't know anything about it, then we find ourselves with a gap that is increasing constantly. Yeah. So I completely agree with you. I mean, it should be, before you even say, I don't want it in the class, try to understand it. Because maybe if you do try to understand it, you'll see some of these angles. And customized education, is, it's, it's big. And I think AI can absolutely can absolutely resolve help resolve in this this. So, um, what other application can you can you think on top of your head for? Maybe maybe there is the both. Let's look at both sides. Like how can teacher use it, and how can kids use it properly, not just by trying to cheat and say just write the entire paper <laughs> for me. Yeah yeah yeah. See, I think teachers can use it to, in a many ways, I think. I mean, eventually, I mean, of course, you know, the, the in, in its base form as the chat GPT, just the chat, um, it, it may have limited usage, but eventually educational applications, like, you know, if you want to create a, a teaching lesson, create a lesson plan, right? There could be applications, lesson plan creation applications that could integrate chat GPT underneath. So you could actually automatically build worksheets and lesson plan sheets. In a much more easy because certain times it's 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 like time-consuming work for teachers, and they could generate it, validate it, fix the things they want to change, and then you could you could get, you know, better generated summaries and content. The other area I think might also be interesting is there could be eventually correction tools, um, article reading and correction tools for teachers powered by ChatGPT. Because imagine you're a teacher, you know, like you know, most teachers. And in fact, my wife's a teacher. She's a first grade teacher. Okay. She has a lot of teachers. So you have that. Yeah, so I, I have this at home. And, and also, she has a lot of teacher friends who are at different grade levels, right? Mm. Teachers, I mean, a lot of people don't give credit to teachers. Is that just like engineers and executives, they carry their work wherever they go. So we would go into a vacation, and my wife comes with a, a stack of papers, right? With her. these are all corrections, like little one, first grade year old, you know, papers, right? Uh, but really interesting is in the future there could be, I mean, especially for high school teachers with with lots of like term papers they need to evaluate, there could be applications that will allow them to highlight certain things, right? So that today, if you look at GPT-4, I think it's like the based on what I read, it's the top ten uh, bar pass the bar exam in top ten percent, right? Yeah. So a lot of legal contract, you can paste the contract and say it's all prompt engineering, right? You have to learn how to interact with AI. You can pass the like paste the class and say hey. You know, tell me how it's been written. What is the, you know, what, which parties do it benefit? What are the risks? What are the threats? And it could answer things, you know. So, that it, it, so like that, you know, teacher correction tools might be interesting for teachers, right? Um, to evaluate as, uh, term papers and things like that. Because each term paper is about like 20, 30 pages. So, you know, reading that across 30 kids is like reading 900 pages, right? And, and I, 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 people need to think that way because I think the people that, that deny it, and they criticize it in the in the togetherness in the whole thing and say just like a big no. It's because they think that the the the, the chat GPT or any other artificial intelligence machine learning application is is going to be the solution. It's going to be the final product. 
Let's see if you agree with with my way of thinking, and maybe yeah. the, that will help the audience understand as well. So, if instead we look at it as a tool that is allow you to do to focus on something of a higher level, that let's be honest, it's yeah. not the most creative um, machine. It's not being creative. It's it's pre-trained transformer, so it's generated things in a very I'm not going to say mechanical way, but yeah. doesn't really know what is writing. It's yeah, not yeah, conscious, yeah. right? So that's the big difference. Yeah. But yeah. if we think about all the application, they can say, you know what? If it's going to just screen, as you say, the the homework, and then it highlights certain issue, it doesn't mean that you're letting the the chat GPT give a grade to the paper. You just being suggested where you could put your attention. And then you're the final person. You're the one in control. Yeah, and that's so the fear, right? Characters, right? We all use Grammarly. Even schools use Grammarly, right? Exactly. So this is a more advanced version of, of some of those things where it can bring in that idea of like helping people in a much more effective way, right? Exactly. Uh, and, also and, and research too. I mean, on yeah. the other side, if the if the student know how to use it for research, not to try to write the entire paper. <laughs> You know, then it's that's great. They learn more. I think they learn more. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The other thing that's also interesting is like I think you mentioned a really interesting point, which is today the way we interact, either educators or enterprise executives or even like you know consumers, the way we interact with ChatGPT today is going to OpenAI GPT, and then we are a prompt, right? And we give it prompts. But tomorrow you will actually see lots of applications that are already integrated with ChatGPT. ChatGPT becomes sort of like the electricity. It's sort of mm -hmm. in everywhere. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So like with all the applications, if you look at what Microsoft has uh, released recently, right, all their apps and, you know, like the, the, the Teams. So you get, a, you get a little summary in Teams and you basically say, hey, uh, what did I miss in this meeting? Bam, it'll summarize you. But you're not going to the ChatGPT prompt. It's, it's built into the apps. So similarly, educational apps like Duolingo and various forms of, you know, all these uh, from the little kids to the high schoolers. Today, there are like if you if you are in a high school, you do get a, or even if you are in an in an elementary school, you get a like a Google Chromebook, right? My my daughter has that. I mean, every every child has that, right? So that group that Google Chromebook, when you open it up, you go into a prompt with a series of apps already approved by the school district. And you log in, the administrators control the the, 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 the thing, the, the prompt and authentication. So like, like bad apps and unapproved apps don't show up. But in those apps that are there, they in the future will all be integrated into ChatGPT. And they will provide capabilities. Like your math teaching program will actually have ChatGPT capabilities, right, as you're learning. So that's why I think it'll be, it, it won't be just the prompt alone. The, I mean, kids will still work with the prompt when they are writing term papers and research papers. But there are also there will also be applications of it on their individual educational apps, right? Same thing will happen in in um, in um, productivity uh, office application, just like what Microsoft. I mean, actually, it's kind of interesting because Microsoft now has a head start, right? Um, I hope you know others get a head start too because then it'll become a Microsoft-controlled world, right? But hopefully, yeah. you know, it, it becomes a very open world where a lot of applications will get, you know, integrated into this, um, so that you know people will, will will use it. And at one point, they won't even know that they've interacted with ChatGPT because it's somewhat seamless, right? So today, you know, when you are in your iPhone, you know, like you write emails using swipe, right? You just keep on swiping. 
you don't think about who's providing the swipe keyboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a keyboard, right? It works. Right. Same thing with Grammarly. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, what I really like, it's it's to make the education system work better, improve. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, I had a conversation with Mike Mike Yates. He's a he's a brilliant guy that talks a lot about improving education. And and talking about you know not only minority and, and diverse group but also you know people that need a, a different kind of attention which is not just because you you're neurodiverse or you have a you know a different way that, that you learn right but or learning disabilities but also everybody's interested in something different so I go back many many years ago when I was when I was in school. Everybody sits, 25 kids in a room. They're all listening to the same thing. And some people are going to be very interested. Some people already know about it, maybe because the family told them. And some people, they just need that extra help. So if you if you can imagine and put your futuristic hat, and I'm talking to the audience, and you have a one-on-one where you check your skills and you're given the education at the moment, the lesson that you need to catch up, you're not going to be left behind. So in a way, it is a, a democratization of, of the school. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a complete democratization, especially across uh, the, the diverse as well as, you know, like a low-income uh, population where the, where the children, uh, the parents don't necessarily have the means to help or even challenges where the parents didn't go to school in the past. Um, they don't have the base education to help. This could be a really great tool where the child could turn around and ask questions and learn. And, you know, like, you know, like, I mean, kids learn, I don't know, my little daughter is learning, uh, she's nine years old, uh, fourth grade, learning Greek mythology. So she wanted to ask some question about like Sphinx, tell me about the Sphinx. So we went to ChatGPT and said, tell me all about Sphinx. So it generated a whole article <laughs> about, so it was a great learning experience, right? So it's like, it's, a, it's, it's like what a tutor would do, right? Sometimes, you know, even like educated parents, sometimes, you know, they ask you about something and, you know, you did at the time, last time you can remember history and, you know, all these things like so many years ago, you forget. You need a refresh for sure. You need a refresh. And this is a great way to kind of a way to do that. And it also, I love this idea of democratization, right? Because the internet is a great democratizer, right? This is another step ahead of it. It's a democratizer of knowledge for a lot of people. The only thing though, I think what I would I worry about it is that we got to teach kids. Um, I think it's also parents and educators and also even like media folks like us is that, you know, whatever you read from chat GPT is not always correct. Chat GPT can hallucinate, right? Or it could pick up a wrong information from somewhere, right? So validate what you do. So that, that that's another part of the learning, right? So today when you read a, when you write a quote something in your term paper, you always say, you know, you basically say, I got it from this location, right? You put mm-hmm. a Chicago manuals of style, you know, footnote, right? Mm-hmm. But then what happens is you actually go and validate if that research is correct. Who are the other 20 people who actually talked about it? Yep. Right? So as long as that thesis is like, and that theory is fed into our kids, oh, it's, I learned this, but this is the base. Now I can go do research and read 20 articles about it to see if it's true or not. Which is more like the college system. I mean, you're, yeah. you you don't know everything. You just go to the books and you you get a source and then but then you list a source. And I, if yeah. I'm understanding correctly, I haven't I haven't played much. They just released the 
the four. I've seen improvement in my everyday use of it, but I think there is also a way now I don't uh, to to look at where the source of the information. Yeah, is, I think so. Yeah, right? yeah. So I'm that's not, already I'm a big, yeah, yeah, a big improvement, which brings me to let let's look at this from, you know, from an ethical perspective. I mean, I I say often we never talked about philosophy and ethics as much as lately with AI. Yeah. It's almost like a way yeah. to learn about ourselves. Yeah. And I talk to philosophers, I talk to professors and of ethics, and and it's amazing because we're kind of like saying things like, well, ML, AI, they're learning from us. And maybe we don't know enough about ethics. So that's right. How is this going to amplify, in your opinion, the the problem? Or is it gonna be as I think, a way to stop pause and say, huh, maybe we do need to think more that. Yeah, that so way. what's really interesting, it'll amplify all the human problems, right? Yes. As humans today, we ourselves have so many ethical, you know, challenges in terms of agreeing, right? I mean, I don't know, like, you know, like this simple concepts, right? You know, space travel, you know, is the, is the earth round and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> flat right uh, um, so like like uh, things that have already been scientifically proven have have had you know a lot of questions among folks like even topics that are well established right so i think the thing is that whatever challenges that human society has today will uh, will get amplified because it, the technology is always an amplifying force right but i think what happens though is that this type of challenges um, short term they are a problem. The amplification becomes a problem, right? Because because until the right answers are found, and then and then the AI systems get fixed, right? So today, for example, you know, the ChatGPT doesn't have certain political views. It will not say it because of you know because it's already been fixed into the algorithm. Mm. Eventually, things will will get fixed, and there are more and more and more controls that will be placed in to kind. Of, and then the other is the AI will also have a sex self realization technique where like you know brian's ai would respond differently from marco's ai right over time they will they will get personalized and they will and then the opinion it will say it will have a some sort of a you know a, a legal disclaimer that says you know brian based on all your learning i think this is what i believe it is <laughs> right it may not be true <laughs> right so so i think the the there is a bit of a personalization element that will come in and then they will fix stuff. I think what will happen is short term, we will have a lot of problems. Mm. But I think in long term, this is good and it's here to stay and it's it, it will help the human. Okay, so let, let's finish this conversation with, with that, with the putting our thinking hat and, and looking at the short term future, which we could even be a year, six months already probably enough. And, and what could be... I know, 10, 20 years from now, and, and I, I love to play this game. It's always the way that I like to end a conversation like this and, and see, like, you know, this could be where we go to utopia and this will be where we go to dystopia, you know, 1984 yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. What, what's, your, what's your thought on that? So you, you kind of hint to it. So beginning, a lot of problem. Give me an example or two of what you could see the problem be. And then... Oh, a lot of problems. Where do we go? What will happen is that companies could, um, when when this type of um, when this type of technology gets, uh, companies will suddenly realize some of the menial tasks or even like workflow tasks that happens within enterprises, right? 
um, can be eliminated. Mm. Right, the companies will suddenly start using integrated automated tools that could eventually create very fast job loss that is that is not predicted, which could create problems. And then, of course, there'll be an uprising against all this type of tools. People say, oh, we got to ban this, right? Which is, at the same time, it will also create new opportunities for prompt engineering folks and <laughs> people who are trying to build, uh, interact, and use the tools better. So it's, those are some of the issues. The other is there'll be a lot of press releases where people will not press um, uh, media coverage. People said, well, I asked this thing to open AI, and it said this, this terrible, horrible response. And it's you know, and you'll see a lot of that stuff, right? So this is not the right thing for the society. So you'll see a lot of those issues, right? And then I mean, I'm sure, like I mean, I mean, we are also a very you know, in America, a very sue happy society. Somebody will like ask some question, and somebody will die, and eventually somebody will sue somebody, you know, just because of the nature of how society works, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, so many companies have got sued for false advertising, right? Uh, but all kinds of issues just because of how people perceived. So you'll get a lot of those issues. Then there will be a lot of ethical, um, there'll be a lot of challenges, I think, in terms of media and rights, which is going to create a lot of problems because a lot of the traditional media contracts are written uh, several years ago, right? 15, 20 years ago. And then this whole idea of derivative derivative, uh, uh, content, right? What is derived from what? Because that's media is very specific on that, right? You could create something that looks like derivative work from something else and you can you still hold the rights to derivative work right? so there, there'll be a lot of clauses in derivative work that will get you know flushed out and i'm sure there'll be problems people will be unhappy lawsuits and the lawyers will you know run around and eventually they'll figure it out um, i'm sure there will be uh, quite a quite a bunch of work that will happen in that space because me because now we are only seeing the textual aspect of chat gpt and now we are seeing image and image capability of ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. Very soon, this is going to have music. It's going to have content. And then suddenly, somebody's going to be upset. I mean, today, if you go to OpenAI, you can actually see like, you know, music generated in Katy Perry style. Right? So it can, the lyrics are, I mean, just random, like garbage, but, but the music style is using her tone, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of, and the other question is, um, so, so eventually media companies will say, oh, you know, now there's a problem. Now, you know, the middleman label, issue is going to become a problem, right? Artists might say, well, I have ChatGPT. I have, you know, uh, tools. I can, you know, do a lot of those things. I don't necessarily need, you know, a lot of help from the middleman. So a lot of disaggregation is going to get accelerated, right? Um, but I think what, what's really interesting, though, is in the a lot of these ChatGPT and generative AI technology, it, they are machines of creating average, right? So mm. it, it learns from everybody. It creates the average of everybody. But I love human, that. Yeah. You know, the machines right. are creating the average. But you need those machines in order to do, you know, <clears throat> because, because your brain is, you can't keep everything. Right? You forget <laughs> everything you learn. Right? So, so this, cre- this, this creates that thing, that, that it, it solves that problem of, you know, identifying averages. Right? But then, on top of that, um, for specific creativity, I think artists can, will embrace these tools. Right? People will embrace. And after a while, embracing these tools will become a common Form, right like i mean like for example like auto tune right auto tune lots of artists when auto tune came in so this is bad right but so it's many still bad if you ask me it's still bad <laughs> it's still bad but you know auto tune still runs and people that are hit songs that generated through auto tune yeah, that that's one invention that i want to go back in time and take I away that's, <laughs> a that's a different story 
<laughs> no, I know. But the, the the thing is that you know things can you know over time people will embrace yeah. things yeah. whether it's good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that is the whole um, aspect. That's a short term, right? Like all that. I think media will be one of those things that there'll be a lot of rocking that will happen. The other thing that will happen, especially with all this recession, not recession, but high inflation rates and companies trying to get their margins down, the the danger is like like existing productivity tools, right? Coming up with chat GPT integrations and a lot of um, a lot of uh, workflow tools. If they come up with these integrations, now suddenly a series of intermediary things are not necessary. Right. Yep. If an email comes in, you click on a button and it'll process the workflow automatically. It'll also create a lot of challenges for enterprise software vendors and suite vendors. Right. It'll be really interesting. I'm I'm very interested to see how, how that will play out. So I think that's something that we need to look at in the short term and job loss and content right. Um, long term is going to be really interesting, right? Because one of the things um, um, I think I was recently I wrote an article called The Tentacles of Power is in terms of um, Today's world is built by software. Everything you see is software, right? Like, you know, even the Zoom is underneath the software. The hardware is very minimal, this microphone and, and maybe that camera, right? But even inside those things, it's all software running it, right? So same thing. This is a way how software's power is applied, amplified, right? And everything else, this, or every one of these things, the mic and the, and, the, and, the, and the camera are just like dumb tentacles, right? Mm. As software becomes more and more and more and more powerful, it'll actually pretty much reach out every tentacle. So what it means is today, like, you know, in the beauty industry, if you want to get a custom makeup, right, there are devices out there that you just simply take the color of your shirt and it'll print your lipstick on the exact same color of your shirt. But guess what? The, the color mixing routine and everything is AI, ML, it's all software. Underneath is a very simple motor that just rotates and mixes a bunch of colors, right? You go to Home Depot, right? Like you can just take an old piece of a wall and then they'll basically take a picture of it and mix the paint for you. And that's already there. But every, all the magic underneath is actually software, right? So software is like basically making very, very dumb hardware amazing. So AI will, will kind of amplify that, right? So what it means is eventually this GPT is capable, not eventually, you're looking at two to three years, GPT will have connectors into every possible hardware capabilities. Every hardware out there will become super intelligent. Now it's got, right? So you can actually you know, have, you know, your Alexa would actually could use GPT and do things in your home, right? Wow, you just crushed, you just crossed the oh shit moment for me. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> now, it's, now it's dystopian. Now yeah, you're yeah. Like, oh, yeah, oh God, no. Please. Yeah, but I think it's interesting <laughs> about dystopian and, and utopian, right? I think I wanted to, uh, my personal philosophy in this utopian dystopian, this is just very Brian specific. I'm not talking about iterate at this point, mm-hmm. right? Or iterate philosophy. But I think a lot of times when we see like future scientific movies, right? A lot of times we see a very bad, terrible world, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of sad because I think what happened is a lot of those thoughts came from the old, you know, religious and other type of writings where people actually read about, you know, like a terrible world and there is an apocalypse and things are going to die and going to get destroyed right but if you also have to understand you know they were in a world where a lot of people who wrote those things were in a world where people's cho- heads were getting chopped right in front of their eyes right mm-hmm. we live in a much more uh, a cultured society we still have problems right but it's not like if you were lived in and if you lived in you know 15th century marco you won't even know whether you'll ever <laughs> do a podcast right you may not even know you will be alive to this age right uh, 
just because of how those societies behave. So I think as we are in a more advanced society, I think we should reimagine the world. Mm, I love it. Right. Also because, also because, and I think that you may want to think about it, and you 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 mentioned that the reason why all the movies or the books that are kind of like more dystopian is because if everything was perfect, there wouldn't be a story. There wouldn't be a story, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. And and this is how everything worked well, and and exactly. AI is working exactly. perfectly. We live all you know, 600 years because we, we don't have diseases, yeah, exactly. we don't have pollution. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that would and, be a story, right? Okay, but I need a problem because otherwise, what's the movie? Yeah. Why do I watch and it? There is no hero. If there is no problem, there is no hero. There yeah, is no antagonist, hero. nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah well, exactly. exactly. The, so the, is the lesson is to be, try to be more positive maybe and see yeah, the opportunities. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm right? I think, I think there is a more of a positive world that can be built, right? I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, Brian, I, I love this kind of conversation. I really enjoy the fact that we went all philosophical, but we, we did focus a, a little bit on the education system. And I, it really makes me hopeful that there, this will not create, hopefully, a, a bigger digital divide, but actually will fill this divide. Yeah. And maybe it will be easier to give that computer to to everyone in a, a way to learn and, and build their future and education in a much better way. Than yeah, and also one thing before we close, Marco, I yeah, think go for it. it will be really interesting is that, you know, I think um, the, a lot of these uh, large language models and all these large models, so today OpenAI, it's been built by OpenAI, but there are also companies that are coming around mm-hmm. who are actually building these large models in uh, using... Uh, open source, mm. right? In fact, I had a presentation I did the other day to some senior leaders on how many open source competitors are there. They are not at the level of open AI because because it takes hundreds of millions of dollars, right? So one thing we should look at it is there should be some sort of grants and funded programs to enhance open source based training. So there is always an alternative, right? So these larger companies don't actually create it as a wall garden. So the because at the end of the day, democ- what's a big enemy to democratization is wall gardens. Yeah, I agree. Right. And it's tricky because they call they call it open AI. And so you think it's open source at the beginning, but it's a company. Get that. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a company. I mean, they, they have certain things. I think the older version of GPT. Probably. No, no, I, I know. But it's yeah. kind of like, you know, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, if, you, if you're doing it, Again, we could have an entire episode about this, but if you're doing it in the interest of humanity, then it should be probably an open source project that can allow to really get all the possible input and many player come into place instead of Correct. being controlled. And I think this but, could also be a, another thing, Marco, that this could be just like, you know, like it could be like an NSF or like one of those government society funded programs where you have models that are trained. Mm-hmm. That somebody like governments and non-governmental organizations you know, make investments. Like $100 million, $200 million is not a lot of money these days, right? I mean, and the amount of money we are bailing out banks and all that stuff, right? There is, it that can be done. And, and there can be a much, much bigger open world that could be created by this. Absolutely. Right? It, it Absolutely. Because I, I love the fact that which you love, which is true democratization. Can we create, can, can we bring everybody in the educational field as well as every society uh, kind of a level playing field. Yeah, and, and putting the money into what really matters. In, yeah. If we want to be idealistic too, you know, in, in research and 
and space exploration and all of that. It's like we think we've spent a lot of money with NASA, but actually the budget is really minimal when you think about, yeah, you know, what you spend for other things that are not as constructive as, as that one. But anyway, we, we're hitting 42 minutes of a beautiful conversation. I really hope that people are thinking about it. And, and another thing I suggest is if you never tried it, go out there. It's You don't have to pay the 20 bucks for the latest version. You know, just just play with it because maybe maybe you'll understand a little bit more about, you know, uh, the fam making more familiar this this possibly scary thoughts that somebody's it's not somebody but it's a it like it's an AI that is talking to you. And uh, and with that said, Brian, thank you so much. I look forward to for more conversation. I'm thinking to to create a panel to discuss all of this from different perspectives. So I would love for you to come back on uh, on the show with others and uh, everybody else listening you'll find information and links to to brian in the notes for the episode and uh, links to social media and uh, transcript that will be done probably by an ai so get ready for that if it's not correct blame it i'm not don't blame me <laughs> all right brian thank you so much thank you marco for having me thank you all thanks right. again take care my, my pleasure my pleasure Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at Devo.com. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.